It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. All right, hour number three. We are quickly getting through the show today. Hey, you're listening to Green and Growing. I'm your host, Ashley Frasca. Yeah, triple team traffic on uh, Monday through Friday morning, starting Atlanta's morning news, and then right here in the host seat on Saturdays. And very happy to be here and very happy to welcome back to the show Clint Waltz, extension turf grass specialist for the University of Georgia and down on the Griffin campus. We are talking lawns and turf grass and good soil and all those kinds of things. So get your questions in for Clint at 404-872-0750. And uh, Clint, you know, you were listening to the show earlier, so I promote the fact that the Georgia Bulldogs are at Tuscaloosa, Alabama, facing the Crimson Tide today. Uh, pre-game mm-hmm. and tailgates at 4 o'clock right here, and kickoff is at 8. And your Clemson Tigers, they are in Atlanta. They're playing Georgia Tech today. How about that? Yeah. So, so uh, I, I wish things were different where I could come in and see the game, but uh, it is what it is this year, right? It is. It is indeed. But good football weather, so hopefully everybody Absolutely. will just be outside and enjoying the nice weather and able to watch sports all day, sports all day. So, uh, yeah, we've got some good calls. Are you ready to tackle a couple more? Let's see what we got. All right. Up next is DJ Indicator. Hey, welcome back, my friend DJ. How are you? Oh, good morning, Ashley. Hey, so what's um, going on? I- uh, I have centipede grass, and the lawn service says that because the roots grow parallel and close to the surface, I have weeds, but they don't know when. They think that they, the, the weed control might kill the grass. And I just wanted to know what's the best products to use and when to use them to uh, control the weeds and fertilize the grass. Okay, good. Okay. Uh, that's an excellent question, and let's let's take the easy part of that right uh, first. And and centipede and your lawn service is, is telling you right. Uh, centipede grass, it's purely stolen effort, so it only has uh, the stolons or the runners. Um, stolons and runners are the same thing. The runners are only above ground. There are no below ground runners with centipede grass. So those runners have to come across the soil. They have to tack down, and uh, you don't want to put out any herbicide, particularly a pre-emergence herbicide that may prevent those roots from tacking through the soil. So many of the pre-emergence herbicides that we use for crabgrass will actually prevent roots from tacking down through it, just like it will wind up kind of affecting the seedlings of, of weeds like crabgrass from coming up. So your, your lawn care service is, is telling you right. You're, you've got a good one there that's, that's telling you correct information. Yes. Um, now, as far as it goes with a, a herbicide for weed control in centipede grass, atrazine, anything that contains atrazine, so like Scott's Bonus S is one. Um, and I think I have seen on a shelf at Home Depot or Lowe's um, a, um, I think it's a 007 material um, with with atrazine in it, um, um, with it. And then I know I have seen here recently as well, there's a kind of a, um, I can't remember what Spectracide or whom had it, but it was a, uh, it had atrazine as well as some bifenthrin for insect control. It was a combination product that had a, uh, atrazine and bifenthrin in it. So both of those products or any of those kind of products would be good for centipede. The downside is you don't want to put any nitrogen out on centipede grass this time of year. Um, It's much too late to to fertilize centipede with nitrogen this time of year um, on it that uh, as we're heading into dormancy, uh, centipede grass is slowing its growth. And the last thing you want to do is stimulate growth and have it young and tender and then have it hit with uh, a frost uh, this time of year. So the last and, and your indicator, was that correct? That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the last time he would have wanted to fertilize would have probably been somewhere about middle of August. 
uh, was the last time that nitrogen needed to go on his centipede grass. Woo, centipede lawn, a little higher maintenance, but uh, DJ very familiar with that lawn. And you're right, Clint, it's so key to pick the right lawn care company that you can ask them questions and run these things that you hear on the show by them and make sure you're on the same page. So, well, we work hard to educate our, our um, industry out there, and that's part of what my job is, is actually work with professionals or the practitioners out there and make sure they have these proper agronomic, sound, scientifically based um, information to, to get back out and do as good a job on on these lawns and, and fields and everything that, that, that they work with. Well, and correct me if I'm wrong, too, but when you've come on the show before, I mean, I've only had the show since February, but aren't sometimes they offered credits or certifications, you know, going toward their certifications? You've offered that to them sometimes if, if they at least listen to the show or participate, right? Absolutely. Well, um, I think so. Uh, we have what's called the Georgia Landscape Georgia Certified Landscape Professional Program. Um, so it's kind of like a certification, almost like a like a CPA type of thing where yeah. they can go on and they study and, and uh, they can get the certification. And, um, um, and yes, I think uh, the, the coordinator for that has offered some, some continuing education units and that kind of thing through, through it, through watching or listening to the show whenever we've had folks, but we do programs that uh, help them with uh, pesticide recertification, um, make sure they're applying pesticides correctly and know what the new science and the new materials are and how to use them most effectively and things like that, whether it's a, herbicide or a fungicide or an insecticide or, or what have you. So we do a lot of that kind of education and outreach as well. And a lot of that knowledge does not need to be just kept in the industry, folks. You can empower yourself and learn a lot of these things. That's why you, you're an educated homeowner, you know, going up against these these industries that are helping you with your landscape and your environment. And extension.uga.edu, the cooperative extension at the University of Georgia, that is just such a powerful website with so many tools and very good publications to inform you on all kinds of things like what Clint and I are talking about today, but extension.uga.edu. All right, up next, we've got Cecil calling from Smyrna, Cobb County. Hey, good morning. Good morning. How's everybody there today? Really good. Better now that you're here. (laughs) Okay, I'd like to do a little further comment on garlic. Yeah, we talked Uh, about that in the show. Sure. You did. I am a winter gardener, and I run a few things. Uh, exotic, such as uh, purple broccoli, uh, golden cauliflower, frilly mustard, shards, lettuce, arugula, things like that. But uh, garlic, if anybody's interested, I plant my garlic on a five or six inch center, and I plant it about two and a half inches deep in uh, a good soil, sunny as you can get it. If you don't have space in your garden because it's takes a long time to grow. It does. Make that space. There is absolutely nothing like a fresh picked garlic. And when you peel it, it is white as a brand new apple off of a tree. And it just tastes divine. And do you do soft uh, neck or hard neck? I do both kinds. The top set makes that scape. Um the cloves themselves are a little bit bigger, but there's fewer of them. Yeah. And okay. I do generally uh, mulch with a pine straw for weed control because there's nothing like an irritation of chickweeds and and other things that invade. And then that can be easily raked away. Um, I don't use uh, 
wheat straw on that stuff, okay. but pine straw. And Cecil, uh, I want to ask has... you, as, as a little bit of an expert here on garlic, because I've had some conflicting comments this morning from listeners, when are you going to plant your garlic? When is Cecil going to do it in Smyrna? Uh, Cecil planted it this week. Very good. All right, because uh, Walter and I's earlier discussion planning on doing it now. Some folks do prefer to wait until November when the soil temperatures are down just a little bit, maybe even early uh, December. But I suppose the earlier we do this, the sooner we'll get that harvest in April or May. So Cecil, thank you very much. Good information there. I'm excited to do it. And my producer, Jason, is planting garlic this weekend. We're both going to do it tomorrow. And then it's kind of going to be a race to the finish line. All right. Up next is Perky in Alpharetta. Is that right? Yes, Ashley, it is. And I want to say right off the bat, I really appreciate the good work you do for the rest of us. Thank you. I I couldn't do it without experts like Clint, I tell you. I lean on these people (laughs) behind the scenes. He seems to know what he's talking about. (laughs) He sure does. Well, hopefully you've got a good grass question for him. Well, it's so simple. I even hate to ask an expert like him. But anyway, I have two different grasses in my lawn. One is centipede and one is fescue. And I just heard you say uh, 15 minutes ago that uh, my question is, should I fertilize each one of these grasses now? And already you all said that do not fertilize fescue. But how about centipede? Uh, no, actually, this is the prime time to fertilize tall fescue. This yeah, is we when were saying, tall fescue needs to be fertilized. Yeah, the other caller, we said don't fertilize the centipede right now. Oh, Correct. do not for centipede. Right. Okay. Correct. Right. We, we break our grasses into two basic groups. One is a warm season grasses. That's when they do their growing. So centipede is a warm season species. So you want to fertilize it when the weather is hot and warm. Cool. Uh, and then the other grouping we have are cool season grasses. And tall fescue is a cool season species. So right now is actually the ideal time. If, there's, if, if folks are waking up this morning thinking, hey, what am I going to do today? It's, it's going to be 60s and uh, the sun's out and, and not a cloud in the sky as I'm looking out my window right now. You know, if you want to head down and go get you some and you have a tall fescue lawn, today would be a beautiful day to, uh, to, to, to fertilize your tall fescue. The only problem there is, is I don't see any rain in the forecast right. uh, to help water that in. So if, if you do that today, make sure you have an irrigation system and you can kind of water that in because it, it needs to get worked into the soil. So yes, and just now, a, is, now is a wonderful time to fertilize tall fescue. Yeah, Clint, absolutely. And I mean, you know, for, for Perky and others to keep it straight to a, a good general rule of thumb, and, and no question is a dumb question, by the way, but a good general nope. rule of thumb, fertilizing anything when it's actively growing. Because if you fertilize at the wrong time and something's starting to go dormant or just shut down depending on the season fertilizer is going to stimulate it to grow and kind of wake it up when it doesn't want to be awake. So yeah, general rule of thumb, fertilize when it's an active growth and fescue is coming on strong right now. Well, coming up, we've got Mike and Calhoun with a question about Bermuda grass, Rob and Winder with roses and Susan and McDonough leaves dying on a plant. That's never a good thing. So we're going to figure, get, figure out what the plant is and get to the bottom of that. We'll be back on Green and Growing on WSB. Forty-five degrees. The sun is coming up. A beautiful weekend in store. The weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. We're going to have highs near seventy degrees today and tomorrow. It's going to be dry and then lows around fifty. Green and growing. Green and growing with Ashley Frasca. 
Here's your garden to-do list this week. All right, I've got two things that are timely and seasonal, and then I have my guest Clint Walt from the University of Georgia weigh in on number three. But first, we want to divide the overgrown clumps of perennials. Get out there and divide your daylilies, your daisies, your hostas, and replant the divisions or just give them to friends as a pass-along plant. Number two, uh, storing and properly disposing of pesticides. We talked a little bit about that earlier in the show if a pesticide is just over its prime time, if it's in granular form, you can seal the container that it's in, dispose of it in the trash. That's what's recommended. If it's in liquid form, you can use kitty litter or something like that in the container to absorb the liquid, seal it, and then dispose of it properly. And Clint, you've got a number three. Yeah, we just kind of uh, talked about it with uh, go ahead and it's time of year to either seed tall fescue if you need to seed or fertilize tall fescue. So if you have a tall fescue lawn, uh, this is the time of year to... Uh, uh, to go ahead and get that first fall um, fertilization on tall fescue. And some of Done. the brands, when we buy the big bag of seed, they've got fertilizer built in, right? So do we need an, an additional application of fertilizer for overseeding? Um, generally not. Um, and I haven't seen a lot of them. Some of them are coated seed, but um, generally that's not a fertilizer cover. With. So oh. you'd want to seed out and give it, uh, once it germinates, once it germinates, give it about a week to 10 days and then make that first fertilizer application. Okay. Okay, great. Now I want to cover here with just a couple of minutes before we uh, hit up a newscast, something that you're asked about quite often. The leaves are really starting to fall. We had the heavy <laughs> rains that brought a lot of leaves down and it's just nonstop from here. So to leave or not to leave, the leaves on your lawn. I think there's pros and cons of both. What say you? I, I'm, I'm looking after grass, so I would say take the leaves off. Now, you can mulch them in. That's fine. You can return those nutrients that are in the leaves back to the soil and mulch them in. But uh, many of our warm season grasses, so things like Bermuda grass and centipede grass and St. Augustine grass and zoysia grass are warm season species, they're continuing to photosynthesize. So the last thing we want to do is put a leaf canopy on top of them and shade them out and so they can't photosynthesize so let them use that sun that's right now and, and photosynthesize and make those sugars that, that will help bring that grass out of dormancy back next spring so take the leaves off of it mulch them in what have you um uh, on it uh, the other is is those leaves that are left on the lawn they retain moisture and as we talked about earlier with disease mm -hmm. if we're retaining moisture around the leaf and the crown of the plant we're predisposing that grass to potential disease and um and pathogens that can make the grass sick so by mulching that leaf material up letting it fall through the canopy down to the soil surface and or waking up and removing those those leaves we're reducing the opportunity for disease to affect our our, our grasses as well so i'm more of a fan of of Let's mulch those leaves in or rake them off and get them off and let that grass photosynthesize and, and be as healthy as it can going into dormancy. And on the flip side, for folks who maybe aren't as concerned with their grasses, maybe if you let some of the leaves pile up, you can uh, set an environment for overwintering insects and they have insulation when they're burrowed in the ground and also birds are going to be able to find yep. them easier. So there's pros and cons. All right, well, Clint's going to stay with us until the end of the show, 9 o'clock. And of course, we have Pike Nursery coming up with some exciting varieties of Japanese maple and now's the time to get to planting trees. So we'll be right back with Pike Nursery here on Green and Growing on WSB. It's Green and 
Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Speeding by the last hour of green and growing. Hey, live in the studio, it's 45 degrees on Peachtree Street. Ashley Frasca here hosting Green and Growing. And if you miss any of the show, there's a lot to catch up on. Garlic and pumpkins and the First Lady, Marty Kemp. And Clint Waltz has been along with us uh, answering some great lawn questions. And up now, as it usually is this time of the show, every Saturday, Pike Nursery. And I am joined by Devin Swirk, who is the store manager at Buckhead. And when you think of trees with amazing leaf color, Japanese maples, they top the list. There's so many different varieties, and some go through reds, through fall. And just it's such a rewarding thing to really enjoy Japanese maples. So talk about a few of our favorite types of Japanese maples and who better to do that with than Pike Nursery. Hey, good morning, Devin. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? Very well. And we had the Georgia Forestry Commission on earlier, you know, and they're listing off some of the trees that are changing right now. And Japanese maples are always a showstopper. So first of all, kind of remind folks, if this is what they're thinking about planting, what are the best practices of planting a tree right now? Just some general basic tips. So the best thing to, when you're planting Japanese maples now is you need to pick out the proper slot sunlight um, in your yard. And Japanese maples prefer to have filtered sunlight and could be planted in a landscape or even in a large pot. That's perfect. Um, you can also, sorry, what was that? Oh, yeah, that's perfect. I mean, a large pot, some folks kind of fail to remember that they can do that. It's a little more care, but that's a great idea. Yeah, if you're like living on a patio, if you've just got a courtyard out back or a patio, you can still have a Japanese maple with great fall color. Nice. All right. What about and soil? Soil, when you plant them, you're going to want to use our um, acid-loving plant mix, and you're going to dig your hole twice as wide, no deeper, amend the soil, half existing soil, half the planting mix, and it'll thrive. Perfect. All right. So we've got a lot of different varieties of Japanese maples that are in stock at Pike Nursery. Tell us about a few of them and some of the benefits of each. So, I mean, there's multiple varieties. There's weeping ones and upright ones. And the weeping ones are great if you have a smaller space. And some of the weeping varieties are going to be, one of my favorites is Crimson Queen. It's a classic Japanese maple with a pretty weeping habit. The leaves are finely cut. They're very interesting and unique. And it's burgundy year round. And in the fall, it gets to a really nice red color. Wow. That's awesome. And another one of my favorites is going to be the coral bark Japanese maple. It's going to be one that grows upright. It gets about 20 to 25 feet tall. It has green leaves on it year round. Um, but in the fall, it turns to a beautiful yellow. And another added feature is once it loses its leaves in the winter, coral bark, it's going to, its new growth will be red. And the winter, the cold just brings the red out. So you have some winter interest out of that. Japanese maple in the winter. Yeah, as the name implies, this one, coral bark maple, you get that added color when the leaves fall. The bark is actually kind of a brilliant red, so it stands out fantastically in the landscape. You just, yeah, it's beautiful. It's just a beautiful year round tree. So a lot of people think, oh, this tree's not evergreen. It's going to be ugly in the winter, <laughs> but it's just beautiful in the winter with that red stick. It's such a focal piece in your yard. And you said the two types of uh, Japanese maples, weeping, and then what was the other one, just upright? Upright. So the weepers grow down like crimson queen, and then coral bark's going to grow up like a regular tree. Okay. And what about blood good? That's a popular one, too. It is another, that is another great classic one. Um, it's going to be, it's a really nice dark burgundy. I mean, it's one of the darkest ones. It'll hold its color. And in the fall, it just turns from that burgundy leaf to just like fire truck red. It is awesome. 
So three good varieties of Japanese maples that are available at Pike Nursery right now. You can certainly go into any location and ask them about Crimson Queen, see what a coral bark maple looks like, or blood good. And give us the good news about the trees and the shrubs that we buy from Pike Nursery, Devin. We have a lifetime guarantee on all trees and shrubs. Um, so we're there to help you out. We'll offer you the proper advice to plant it and help you fit, find the right spot in your yard. And then if it doesn't do well, we'll we back it up and we'll swap it out for you. That is so awesome. All right. How do we find you guys online if we need to know where the store locations are? You can just go to pikenurseries.com, click on our locations tab and pull up and find the one that's closest to you. Perfect. Devin from the Buckhead store. Thank you so much for being on the show and I hope y'all have a busy weekend. I know it's going to be bustling in there. For oh, sure. it's going to be beautiful. I can't wait. Good. All right. Well, we'll have you back. Thanks so much, Devin. Thank you. All right. Bye. Have a good Saturday. That's something really to get excited about. Best time to plant trees and shrubs. All right. Back on the show with us, Clint Waltz from the University of Georgia, answering some great turf, lawn, grass. I don't know which word to ever use, Clint. They're all interchangeable, aren't they? Turf, lawn, <laughs> They are grass. interchangeable, yes. <laughs> so any of those questions about the stuff in your yard, that's what you're calling about. 404-872-0750. All right, Clint's going to help us out with Mike and Calhoun. Good morning. Welcome to the show, Mike. Good morning, Ashley. Another great show. I always enjoy your Saturday morning. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I'm, I'm having a blast doing it. I'm not quite uh, the expert that 26-year-old host Walter Reeves was, but I'm, I'm having a blast. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> uh, question. We have the Bermuda fescue fight going on in our yard. We bought the house a year ago, and we've been told based on the, the sunlight we get, Bermuda is the way to go. So um, the questions I have is we have to do some cutouts for landscaping this coming year and wondering what the best thing to do is I heard Roundup and just kill the grass where I want to do my cutouts or do mm -hmm. I turn it in? Do I cut the turf off? And then the other thing would be, can I, can I overseed Bermuda to help it take over the fescue also? Okay. You got several questions there and um, none of them are Simple answers. Um, <laughs> if you've got cutouts, <laughs> we, we've got and, the time. And maybe I make them okay. more complicated than I need to. <laughs> like the cutouts that you're talking about, uh, depending on when you're looking to uh, actually take those cuts, I assume we're talking a cutouts where you will put in a um, uh, a landscape bed or something along those lines. Um, if you've got yeah. Bermuda in, in that now, now is actually a very good time to spray Bermuda grass with Roundup and actually kill it. Now, one application of Roundup on Bermuda grass isn't going to kill it. It's a very well-equipped plant for survival. So it will actually, because of its below-ground rhizomes, it takes multiple applications. But this time of year where the environmental cues are telling that plant to send all of its sugars and that kind of thing down into the root system, it'll take that Roundup with it, and you stand a better chance of killing those below-ground rhizomes. So in those cutouts now, today, would be a very good time. And, and the thing you have to remember about Roundup is it needs to go on to green tissue. So you don't want to take and scalp that down and take off the green tissue of that Bermuda grass if that's what you're trying to kill. You need that green tissue there to take that Roundup in. It's taken into the plant, and it's moved down and deep into the root system, particularly this time of year. So if you're trying to kill Bermuda grass in an area that you will plant ornamentals, now is a good time. And then... Um, let it kind of come back here in three to four weeks if it does before. Now, Calhoun's kind of north, so you likely to get frost before we are. But if it starts to come back, hit it again a second time here in three to four weeks uh, with, with Roundup and um, or any other glyphosate-containing product. And, um, you know, now's a good time as, a year as any for, for that. Um, can you overseed Bermuda grass? Well, 
to, to thicken up the Bermuda grass, depends on what Bermuda grass you have. It's, if it's one of our interspecific hybrids like Tiffway or Tiff Tough or something like that, the answer is no. Those grasses are actually sterile. They don't have viable seed. So the only way to propagate them would be through um, plant propagules like sod or sprigs or something like that. So you can't really interseed or, or uh, overseed Bermuda grass. Now, if you have an old common Bermuda grass that was seeded to begin with and it wasn't sodded, then yes, you could. So you kind of need to know which Bermuda grass you have. If it's relatively new and it was sodded, odds are good it's one of our hybrids that is sterile and you wouldn't want to to seed Bermuda grass into that because it'll look different. It'll have a different color and leaf texture and growth habit to it uh, on it. Do you know what kind you Did have, miss- Mike? Hmm. I do not. This was, uh, it was all fescue about five to 10 years ago. And over time, the Bermudas from the other neighbors and things like that have gotten in, okay. you know, birds and uh, things like that, I imagine. Mm-hmm. If that's the case, then it probably is a seeded one. And yes, you could then seed in a, um, an improved Bermuda grass um, um, seeding type. Uh, so something other like Riviera or, um, uh, um, oh shoot, uh, I'm drawing Arden 15 would be one. Um, uh, Rio, I think is one. Uh, and see like there's another one I'm, uh, that's escaping me right now. Generally, I, buff, I, I, I have those in the spring much better because that's when you would seed Bermuda grass would be in the spring of the year, not this time of year. Okay. Okay, and so the the stuff that you said uh, a while back, the different chemical to put on it to kill the fescue, and then I would seed it in the spring with um, yes. whatever one of those I could find. Right. Okay. So get back in touch with me in awesome. spring. We'll see what some of our newer ones are then. But, uh, yeah, the if you want to selectively take tall fescue out of Bermuda grass, uh, the herbicide certainty um, uh, yep. the chemical name in that is sulfur sulfuron. But certainty it will do a really nice job of um, – of uh, selectively taking tall fescue out of Bermuda grass. All right. Thank you. Oh, wow. Great, Mike. Those are all great questions. Thank you so much for the call. So, Clint, I think we had it both ways this morning. We had taking fescue out of Bermuda <laughs> and taking Bermuda out of fescue, didn't we? <laughs> yep. Yep. Those, you know, it's what I refer to here in Georgia because you see it happen a lot. Um, used to anyway with when the development was up. Those those horrible fescuta lawns. Oh, fescuta. You got a warm season, <laughs> warm season and cool season, and they got different growing and uh. and cultural practices, and needs, and and fertility requirements, and that kind of thing. That just makes it difficult. But uh, you know, there was the time where uh, contractors were sod the front yard with Bermuda grass and seed the backyard mm-hmm. with with tall fescue for cost purposes, and the people pulling their hair out were the homeowners that were left with with a warm season mixed with a cool season. <laughs> Absolutely. What a gigantic mess. Well, good calls yeah. this morning. We may have time for just one more, 404-872-0750. But first, we're going to take a, take a check on traffic and weather and make sure you're getting around the city okay today if you're out and about. So we'll be right back. You're listening to Green and Growing here on WSB. Beautiful weather today for sure. Channel 2 Action News meteorologist Brad Nitz is letting us know it's going to be sunny. It's chilly this morning, but no chance of rain's going to be dry today and tomorrow. Highs almost to 70 degrees and lows in the upper 40s, so you got to bundle up at night. 
and in the morning times. That brought to you by Finley Roofing. Well, Clint Waltz has been a wonderful expert and guest, as he always is here on the show, and answering some wonderful questions from all of you, too. Thank you for calling in with your turf and grass questions for Clint. And uh, I am going to definitely reuse some of those conversations later on in the month of November. So just everybody a heads up for that. And Clint, before we let you go, I did want to ask you, um, this time of year, you know, you do mention that the warm season grasses are starting to go into dormancy. Uh, we're getting some new growth with fescue, cool season grass. Tell us what are the best practices for mowing right now, or is that even really a big concern this time of year? No, absolutely. It is a concern. That's that's a, a, a regular mowing uh, management practice on our grasses. So our fall warm season grasses like centipede grass and Bermuda grass and zoysia grass and St. Augustine grass, uh, my recommendation for this time of year is leave the mowing height where it's been for the last 30 to 45 days. We don't want to stress that grass as it's starting to go into dormancy. And mowing is a stress. So you're relieving, move, removing some of that leaf tip. So leave it right where it is. Don't raise the mowing height. Don't lower the mowing height right now. So let's, let it go into dormancy where you've been mowing it um, uh, on it. So if, if if you're high, then you're high, and we'll fix that next spring. If um, if you're low, you're low, and again, we'll fix that next spring. But let's not do anything drastic right now on our warm season grasses. Um, so for tall fescue, which is one of our cool season species, uh, we are coming in a time of year where the environmental conditions are favorable for it. Uh, generally, we recommend that to be mowed somewhere right around three inches. Um, if you want to drop the mowing height a little bit and take it down to two and a half um, inches, um, you can do that with tall fescue right now, and it will do fine. Um, the only thing is, is come somewhere about April, you want to bring that mowing height back up to three or three and a half inches in April, uh, such that it can develop a deeper root system moving into the uh, stress period for tall fescue, which would be next summer. But uh, tall fescue, we could lower the mowing heights right now down to as low as two and a half mm-hmm. um, inches, and uh, ideally it's somewhere right around three, three and a half to four inches on tall fescue right now. And we're keeping an eye on the warm season grasses and, and them, you know, going into dormancy. When are we looking in metro Atlanta, North Georgia, let's say, for one of the last mowings of those warm season grasses? When does that happen? Um, generally sometime right around frost. Uh, I see a lot of folks that even after we get that first frost, you'll get a that first frost that might be a little mottled mm-hmm. and you get a little indeterminate growth where some shoots kind of pop up and that kind of thing. And so even after that first frost to come back in, again, same mowing height and just kind of clean things up and make it look uh, nice and, and give it a good appearance as it's going into fall. So even after that first frost is, is okay to do a mowing, but don't drop the mowing height, don't raise it, just kind of right where it's been. Good general advice. And how can folks find out more? You've got some great information online, and if they just need to know more and educate themselves, where would they go? GeorgiaTurf.com is our website for the UGA Turf team. So we put a lot of our information up there, our programs, and and that kind of thing is on GeorgiaTurf.com. Spell out Georgia. So GeorgiaTurf.com and uh, come visit us. And the same goes for georgiaweather.net. Clint and I were mentioning that website earlier. Spell out georgiaweather.net for soil temperatures and air temperatures and humidity and moisture and all the information you need to know, maybe if you're trying to be strategic about gardening and planting and those kind of things. Clint Waltz from the University of Georgia. It's been a pleasure. And like I said, we are going to air this conversation again in November. It's been so full of great information. And I look forward to having you back on the show soon. It's my pleasure. Happy to do it, Ashley. And I always enjoy time with you. Thank you, Clint. Now, Clint's rooting on his Tigers. They're uh, in Atlanta. Clemson facing uh, 
Georgia Tech. And don't forget, you were your home of the dogs. Four o'clock is the pregame and the tailgate show as Georgia's in Tuscaloosa against the Crimson Tide. And kickoff is at 8. Go dogs and go Braves. Have a good Saturday. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.